Hello, and welcome to Allegedly Astrology. Each week, we'll be breaking down the astrology that happened during some of the biggest scandals and events in history. Dana, what are we covering on this episode? Today, we're talking about the revolutionary idea that actually turned out to be a grift, Theranos. Ah, yes, Theranos. Theranos was a blood testing startup with an idea considered to be a major breakthrough in healthcare. And its founder and CEO, Elizabeth Holmes, was called the female Steve Jobs. She was named by Forbes as the youngest and wealthiest self-made female billionaire and made their most powerful women list. Time magazine even listed her as one of the most influential people in the world. But all of that came crashing down because, spoiler alert, none of it was actually real. So let's learn a little bit about our black turtlenecked uh, heroine, Elizabeth. (laughs) Yes. So Elizabeth Holmes did love a turtleneck, but she also is a former businesswoman. She was born in Washington, D.C., and she had a pretty comfortable life growing up. Her dad was a vice president at Enron, which, like, hilarious slash like you know a little foreshadowing which is why it's funny apple tree (laughs) yes apple (laughs) tree and her mom was a congressional committee staffer elizabeth was an okay student but she was very ambitious and determined so she honestly like wasn't smart just book smart she would just study super hard and get good grades Um, In school, she was really interested in computer programming and was even tutored in Mandarin, which her parents believed would give her an edge over other students. So I would love to know, what are Elizabeth's big three? Elizabeth was born on February 3rd, 1984 in D.C., and we don't have a time, so we don't know her rising. But also, the moon switched from Aquarius to Pisces that day, so we don't have her moon. So we're going off a few other things. And so her son was an Aquarius and the son represents individuality and a sense of self. And so in Aquarius, this stems from being like a mind and a voice of the people and an agent of progressive technology. Uranus conjunct the South Node in Sagittarius is also in her chart. And this is like the urge to rebel combined with erratic behavior. Um, It can work. It can be like someone who wants to who works against society, but not necessarily intentionally. Um... Or not, I guess, not necessarily with nefarious motives. It's also, like, thinking you know best for sure and, like, thinking that things will work out because you know best because in a Sagittarius, it's, like, the eternal optimism sign. And then she also has Jupiter conjunct Neptune in Capricorn. And this is, like, the religification. I made that word up. I'm. It's, like, you know, <laughs> not deification, but, like, making, like, your religion, like, hard work, power, being busy. Like, these things are all, like, sacred and, like... A higher power like that's where she believes in and so then also pluto stationed retrograde in scorpio the day she was born um and pluto is secrets and scorpio is the sign that's like very secretive so this is like secrets are like super loud in her life and then also chiron stationed direct in taurus two days later on february 5th and chiron and taurus has a uh, primordial runes related to financial inadequacy oh boy yeah So, you know, this just goes to show you can learn a lot about someone from their chart, even if you don't have um, their moon sign or their rising sign. These are a lot of like very foreshadowy elements that would play out throughout her life, as we've seen. And so, you know, even though her moon is a toss up, uh, her Aquarius sun makes her progressive, want to help the collective and be very into technology. And she also has transits that make her kind of like an insane workaholic. Yeah. And that Chiron placement is super interesting to me because. 
When she was little and people asked her what she wanted to be when she grew up, she would just say a billionaire. Um, okay. So obviously- <laughs> I wanted to be a dolphin trainer. What did you guys want to be? I wanted to be a famous teacher, which is a famous, famous teacher. teacher. I wanted to be a marine biologist, which oh is God, the cute. same thing as a dolphin trainer. I don't it's even the know same why. Thing as, wait, both of you guys wanted to do with... Yeah, yeah that is interesting. weird. Yeah. So back to Elizabeth. So Elizabeth goes to college at Stanford. So like, honestly, not too shabby. And there she has this idea about being able to perform all these blood tests from one single drop of blood. So she goes around excitedly telling everyone with a pulse that she, you know, she wants to have this, make this idea come to life. And anyone with a general idea about science is like, um, that can't happen. But Elizabeth was like, let me live my life. This is my dream. So she kept going from person to person, telling them her idea until eventually someone listened to her and thought she was a genius. Yeah, and that someone happened to be her very well-connected dean. And, you know, with the thumbs up that she's not insane, she founded Real-Time Health Cures, which later became Theranos. And then she, you know, through her dean and through her family connections, she starts getting FaceTime with some very wealthy venture capitalists. And then at that point, she's like, ooh, my money-chasing dream is coming to fruition. School is lame. So she drops out, and she does Theranos full-time. So what's the chart um, of the beginning of Theranos? Okay, so it was founded in 2003 in Palo Alto. And maybe I'm used to, like, having information at my disposal by just, like, on my phone all the time. But it's... In doing this podcast, it's, like, becoming wild to me how many companies seem to not have a public starting date. It is and so weird. I just want them to I've start posting that too. it. Like it's that, just always a year. Yeah. Is that common? I don't know. I'm suspicious of it, but of course <laughs> I would be. Um, so, the, like, the eclipses this year were in Gemini and Sagittarius and Taurus and Scorpio. And so this is society shifting from changing ideas to disrupting our security patterns. Um, and eclipses are like astro- astrological wormholes. So if you've seen Donnie Darko, think of that movie. Not always so dark, but it's like that. So about like four to six happen every year. They shift the direction of society according to the agenda of the signs they fall in. And when they contact a point in an individual's chart, it sheds insight onto the energy of the person's life and like what changing events might occur. Although it's not necessarily wise to predict exactly what will happen because you can never really be sure. They're sneaky yeah, it's like, like that. It's like a wild energy. Yeah, it's, it's like, like an untamed horse. Chaos. <laughs> yeah. I love chaos. Okay. So... The Gemini uh, solar eclipse that occurred on May 31st, 2003, was conjunct Holmes' uh, North Node. And so this is like stepping into roles of destiny. The nodes are eclipse points, and the North Node shows the direction she's headed in, kind of like the North Point on a compass. And then the Taurus lunar eclipse on November 8th was exactly opposite her Saturn, which is fated partnerships destined to commit to something, or like loosening restrictions. And so Saturn is a planet of restrictions, commitments, and maturity. And eclipses on Saturn can make a person to commit to some greater goal or like loosen or tighten up personal restrictions or boundaries, or they might end up paying some sort of karmic toll. Interesting. So there were a lot of eclipses happening, which shift society during the year that Theranos was founded. And the signs that these were falling in pertain to ideas, philosophies, freedom. And that Gemini eclipse in particular was very important to Elizabeth because it sort of dealt with her destiny. Um, And then there was another eclipse at Uranus Taurus that could sort of have like sort of opened up the financial floodgates for her, which is probably like through those wealthy venture capitalists and things like that. So this was a really big year for change in Elizabeth's life. Yeah. So we've been kind of hinting towards her company, Theranos. Now let's get a little bit more into it. 
So Theranos was a healthcare tech company, which was all the rage in Silicon Valley at the time. And its name is a combination of the words therapy and diagnosis. So Theranos. Very Greek sounding. Yeah, I know. I think it's kind of lame, but like, whatever. I appreciate what she tried to do. But the company got super popular because of a technological breakthrough known as Edison. And Edison was a portable blood testing machine that Elizabeth claimed could perform 200 health tests based on one single pinprick of blood from your finger. And how it would work, in theory, of course, is that you would prick your finger and then the tiny droplet of blood would be collected and put into a machine that was sort of like about the size of like an old desktop computer. And then you would say what tests you wanted to be done um, on it, because obviously you wouldn't run 200 tests all at one time, and it would give you results. And this was a really big deal, especially for people that had to get a lot of blood tests. Elizabeth actually said this whole idea came to her based on her fear of needles, which like, same. Yeah, it sounds less traumatic than normal blood testing. Yeah, and you know, we would appreciate if it was real. And people did quickly realize that if this whole thing was true and it was real, it would completely change how medical testing was done. And while we're going to take a lot of jabs at good old Elizabeth Holmes in this episode, like the truth is Theranos at its inception did have a groundbreaking idea. And it was an idea that many well-respected people invested millions of dollars into. Like we're talking huge names like Henry Kissinger, Oracle founder Larry Ellison, a former director of the CDC even. Other investors included the Walton family of Walmart, Rupert Murdoch, and even the she-devil herself, Betsy DeVos. (laughs) Satan. Uh, The she-devil. So... Yeah, between her idea of being potentially groundbreaking and her stacked board of directors, you know, investors didn't have to think twice. They were just throwing handfuls of cash at her because this was the thing to invest in. And eventually Theranos was valued at $9 billion. Very casual. Um, But this is actually, you know, pretty common in Silicon Valley. It's a culture of fake it till you make it because it's all about ideas and looking forward to the future and not necessarily as much of like, what do you have right now? It's all like future based, like you're basically, you know, it's big bets on big ideas. So, you know, was there anything happening that would contribute to this type of culture in Silicon Valley? Mercury was retrograde in Earth signs in 2003. And so Mercury is like ideas. It's the mind and communication and Earth is like bringing people down to Earth. It's keeping you grounded. So these retrogrades are kind of like, you know, maybe not the most grounded ideas. And Jupiter uh, was in Leo opposite Neptune and Aquarius. And so Jupiter is a planet of possibilities and Leo is a sign of performance, drama and self-expression. This placement shifts the focus to like innovation and dramatic behavior. And like people believe that they are important. Like I'm an important person, which is, you know, good for confidence for like the regular person, but not for like a Batman billionaire. So like it's like strong individual vibes and like Neptune blurs the objectives of whatever sign it's in. And in Aquarius, it's going to look like idealizing technology or like, I mean, this is like big sex robot energy. (laughs) And then also Jupiter and Leo was opposite uh, Uranus and Aquarius. And Uranus is the sign of surprises and disruptions. This is like creative compromise, getting ahead of yourself in terms of what's possible and like being like anything is possible when like... mm, Uh, And so it's also like extreme ideas and ambition that like impact the public uh, using technology. And so the individual believes that they can change the world, which is good to believe and sometimes not always good to do. Um, uh, Saturn in uh, Gemini was also opposite Pluto and Sagittarius. And Saturn in Gemini loves facts, but can also maybe restrict access towards them. 
And it's like also being extremely detail oriented or to the point of like missing certain other facts. And Pluto and Sagittarius wants to even out like justice for all and has like a degree of sinister confidence. Um, But like generally is like everything should be like people should have access, you know, like looking at this, I am obsessed with that Jupiter in Leo opposite Neptune and Aquarius, because to me, that is like so Silicon Valley, just like, you know, that Leo is that look at me type bros who are like, I only eat eggs to like stay alive. Like I'm running the most efficiently my body can be. And then that whole Neptune in Aquarius is like, no one understands your idea or can decipher if it's realistic or not. And that's like technology for the most part. Like you're just hoping that someone believes your weird fucking idea can come true. Yeah. And I mean, instead of like, you know, frat bros that like chug eggs and get swole. This is like fucking nerds that are behind their computer drinking Soylent for meals. I tried to do Soylent and I got bad skin. Soy is gross. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, I thought maybe it would make my boobs bigger, but I couldn't tell because it just was focused on my skin. Soylent, if you don't know about it, look it up. Besides that transit, Jupiter was also opposite Uranus in Aquarius, which is just sort of like, you know, like Sarah was saying, disruption, technology, innovation. And then you know, those transits that sort of would allow people to just like bro out with overconfidence. But, you know, back to Elizabeth, despite being pretty sketchy and vague about how her technology actually worked, Elizabeth was really good at like selling the idea. And she was obviously like this young, blonde, like very like mediable woman. So, you know, she was able to get deals and get in front of major corporations like Safeway and Walgreens to start offering in-store blood tests. And that's kind of where the first red flags start coming up. Internally, some of Theranos' employees were starting to say that culture was pretty aggressive. Um, they even said Elizabeth was mean as all shit and would fire you if you raised any red flags. And this even went as far as people saying they would get yelled at if they brought up that the Edison machines weren't actually accurate. Right. And it was around this time that other people in the healthcare field started bringing up the fact that, you know, Theranos technology was not submitted to be peer reviewed. And this really raised some eyebrows because the peer review process is sort of a huge deal in science. It's what is used to determine if claims about the research is valid or not. And like, you literally learn about peer reviewing as like this, like fundamental shit in high school science class. So you know, that is actually like a huge red flag that like no one else was like allowed to sort of see or review the technology. Yeah, I was actually really surprised researching this about how little she was able to talk about the technology and still get all that money. It's wild. She never told anyone what and that was actually in the contract like you she was very secretive about it and besides that things did not get any better after the science nerd sounded the alarm because the wall street journal put out an article that ripped theranos and elizabeth limb from limb the article featured interviews with ex-employees and alleged theranos was straight up lying about what the edison actually could do yeah the article alleged that theranos was pretending to test on the edison machine but that it was actually sending their tests to another lab because the Edison tests just like weren't accurate, which is not good at all. And, you know, they I mean, the Wall Street Journal was like able to prove this. And in fact, the article claimed that the machine could only perform like just a few tests and not nearly as close to the 200 it said it could. 
So, you know, what's going on when this story breaks? Okay, so on October 15th, 2015 at 7 a.m., because that's when the Wall Street Journal is guaranteed to be delivered by, Libra sun was conjunct Libra rising and a Scorpio moon was in the sky. And so in this is days following a Libra new moon when Libra, when the sun and moon are conjunct in Libra. And so Libra new moons shift the focus to fairness and partnership. But once that moon moves into Scorpio, we're like doing some detective work. Um, also Mars is conjunct Jupiter in Virgo. This is like motherfucking precision and reviewing and identifying bullshit. Mars is how we wield power and control and Jupiter is the cosmic magnifying glass. And Virgo is a sign of perfectionism, details and like service. So we're like honing in on ideas and making sure that like no corners are cut. And this conjunction was trying Pluto and Capricorn. And Pluto is secrets and Capricorn is the establishment. So we're like revealing dark information about private corporations. And then also the sun was opposite Uranus, which is like a, an aspect of breaking news and exposing um, scammers or like CD uh, bullshit. And so the sun illuminates whatever it contacts and Uranus exposes and disrupts. This aspect was also occurring on the day the news broke about Nexium. So you can go back and listen to our episode about that famed sex called if you're interested in hearing more about scams with this aspect hell yeah that sun shining the light (laughs) and all the bullshit but yeah that obviously is like bringing things to light and so we have transits that you know will make us do some detective work into theranos and pay attention to the details which like hello and then reveal information about the details or lack thereof so right now we're at the point where the fda decides to look into theranos and they're just kind of like what the fuck are you doing And they released a ton of reports on the company saying Theranos couldn't actually prove anything that they claimed. Then the Securities and Exchange Commission, a.k.a. the SEC, got involved. Yeah, and the SEC is an independent government agency whose entire job is to make sure companies aren't manipulating the market and that they're not lying to investors. And truly, you never want to get them to investigate you because at that point, that means you're already fucked. So the SEC also says everything Theranos claimed was very exaggerated and they charge Elizabeth with massive fraud. Yep. So seems like, you know, the wheels are falling off the bus for Elizabeth. So what's going on for her at this time, Dana? This is on March 14th, 2018. Um, The sun was in Pisces. The moon is in Aquarius. The sun in Pisces is like very feelings related. Uh, It's illuminating how you feel. The moon in Aquarius is thinking and feeling about justice and like collective uh repercussions and so jupiter and scorpio was trying the sun in pisces this day and this is an aspect of being like justice being served jupiter is justice and scorpio is sherlock holmes and so the trines facilitate ease and so it's making it easier for the sun in pisces to illuminate the final steps of how this is being carried out since pisces is the final uh sign of the zodiac mars and sagittarius um and Jupiter and Scorpio are in like mutual reception with each, with each other. That's because Mars in Sagittarius is ruled by Jupiter and Jupiter in Scorpio is ruled by Mars. So they're playing off each other um, and like they're facilitating energy between each other. So it's kind of like an infinity sign. Um, and so it's like big secrets revealed energy, like big justice to the underworld energy. Um, and then Elizabeth Holmes personal transits on this day. The South Node was conjunct her sun. And so this is like the South Node is a, like the lower eclipse point. So if the North Node is the North on the compass, the South Node is like maybe not really always where you want to go. It's like kind of it's not it's not bad. Sometimes people meet the love of their lives on these days. Um, but like sometimes they don't and sometimes they get charged by the SEC. And um, this is like kind of like pulling her down, like cutting her down to size in a bit. 
Um, and also on January 31st of 2018, there was a lunar eclipse in Leo and it was opposite her sun, which is like it's exposing the individual. Um, and it was square her Mars, which is challenging her individual power. And then it was also trying her Uranus, which is making it easier to like expose the disruption she's caused. It's like, you know, like if if the her Uranus was her power to disrupt the trine of the eclipse is exposing her interesting but yeah so there are a lot of transits happening at that time that are sort of like like prone to bring justice and expose secrets and then in elizabeth's personal chart there are a few transits hitting her that are going to really challenge her power and just sort of expose her for for what she was which was a grifter so now we're at the part where everything falls apart Elizabeth gets banned from the lead testing industry. She has to pay a huge fine and return shares to the company. She can't be an officer or director of a public company for 10 years, and she's charged with 11 counts of fraud. Theranos also shuts down, and now we're basically just waiting for her to go to trial. Which is funny that she can't be a director of a company for 10 years because... You know, like, she's only 35 right now. Like, by the time that's up, like, she'll be in her 40s and, like, probably, you know, conniving some other investors to just, like, give her money. I'm wondering, like, what do we think, you know, any last thoughts about Elizabeth and her and her idea? I think the idea is noble, but I think that people kind of, like, even, like, one's own nobility can be a drug. And so people can be like, but I want to do good. I want to do good. And it's like, but when you're not actually perform, when your actions aren't, act- are, like, no longer serving good and you become secretive about it like you have to learn how to stop yourself yeah mm-hmm. i also get like very like firefest vibes from theranos like it was a good I- like both were good ideas but it was just when it came down to the people in charge billy and elizabeth they just wanted to do things on their terms and because of that that was their downfall like I think Elizabeth could have had the Edison machine, but it just wasn't the exact way that she wanted it. What do you think, Elise? It's just sort of like a classic case of overpromise and way under deliver. But instead of like just saying like, hey, you know, this is what we have right now. We're still working on this technology. She just lied about it. And that's something that's like hard to feel bad for her about. You know what I mean? Bingo. But I'm curious, like, what's the vibes in her chart looking like, Dana? Like, what do we what do we think's gonna happen at her trial? Well, um, so Saturn will be conjuncting her son a few times. Uh and so Saturn's stationing retrograde at the end of May conjunct her son. And when a planet stations retrograde, it's very loud. And Saturn is a planet of restriction and uh karmic tolls. And so I think she probably will get jail or some sort of punishment that restricts her freedom, maybe a house arrest. So the December 4th Sagittarius solar eclipse will be exactly opposite Elizabeth's north node. uh, So it'll be conjunct her south node. And this is like a year of destiny for Elizabeth Holmes because that's her eclipse point and it's eclipse occurring on it. So it's a double uh, sort of like the eclipses are coming back around to when they were to where they were the year she was born. And. Also, again, that Saturn station is going to be on her son, restricting her personal freedom. And something super interesting is that this transit also occurred to Billy McFarland at the outset of Firefest, which we know led to the exposure of his, uh, you know, host of grifting activities. So go back and listen to that. Um, it's our second episode. If you want to hear more about Billy, Billy, Billy the M. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I know one thing is for sure that Elizabeth definitely won't be the last person to con a bunch of rich white people into investing but she also definitely wasn't the first and 
In fact, Theranos kind of reminds us of another company that tricked everyone into thinking they were something that they weren't, Enron. And in case you forgot, earlier in the episode, we mentioned that Elizabeth's dad was actually a VP at Enron. So the parallels continue to be uncanny here. And if you're like us, you might remember that this was a huge scandal um, that's now kind of like the poster child for white collar crime, but you might not know exactly what it was. So let's learn a bit about this company that's sort of notoriously linked to corruption, groupthink, and shady accounting practices. So Enron was an energy company, and it was actually the seventh biggest company in the U.S., which is very pivotal for later in its like story. So this is a huge company, and they dealt in energy. So when the 90s dot-com boom happened, they created a website like everybody else was doing at the time, and they started in contracts between like people like us, like consumers and other energy companies for things like electricity, coal, paper, and steel. Enron at the time was considered to be very innovative, even though no one really understood what they did, which like from our last episode should sound really familiar (laughs) um, with the internet and dot-com companies. Um, So I would love to know what's the chart like for Enron? So Enron was founded in 1985 in Houston. And surprise, surprise, we don't have a date. (laughs) Um, In 1985, eclipses were in Taurus and a Scorpio. As I said earlier, eclipses are like the wormholes um, of time. And uh, just like Theranos, eclipses were in Taurus and Scorpio. So this is shifting and disrupting the security patterns in society. And it also has to do with like money and privacy and secrets. Um, And it's also just like revelations and like secrets and suspicion. And also, uh, Jupiter was in Aquarius, square Pluto and Scorpio that year. And Jupiter in Aquarius wants to help society and hold a magnifying glass um, to like over like society's greater ills. And Pluto and Scorpio is suspicious as hell and keeps secrets about everything from their sexual history to their credit score to like where they bought milk that morning. <laughs> um, the square is an aspect of tension. And so these energies are at odd with one another. And it's generally like paranoid or like figuring out how to pull one over on people. And then also Saturn was uh, conjunct the South Node um, at some point this year. And that's like power of the past, kind of like finding the future. Um, So it's like seedy, I would say. It's very seedy. So we have two more eclipses again that are going to disrupt society. And that's exactly what Enron was doing. Enron was all about getting big fast, which led to a very toxic culture that rewarded greed, backstabbing, and getting as many deals as possible, whether they were real or not. There was a lot of group think, no room for different opinions, and arrogance that if you worked at Enron, you thought you were smarter and richer and better than everyone else. And the two people that created this really fucked up culture were two men named Kenneth Lay and Jeffrey Skilling. And Kenneth Lay is a really good old Texas oil man that owned the company that eventually became Enron. And at Enron, he was the founder, the chairman, and the CEO. And everyone at Enron said he was a pretty shitty dude to head up this company because he just kind of was desperate to be liked, would flip flop on decisions easily, and was always and was also really greedy. Yes, but the true shithead behind Enron was Jeffrey Skilling, who was the COO and later CEO. And if you couldn't tell, there was a lot of different CEOs in this company. But Jeffrey was a real asshole, and he pushed his employees to be assholes, too. 
And while Lei was there taking credit for everything Skilling did, Skilling was the one making Enron all their deals. So what was his chart like? So Jeffrey Skilling was born on November 25th uh, at 1953 in Pittsburgh. And his son was in Sagittarius. And just like Elizabeth, the moon changed signs on his day. So we don't know if it was in Cancer or Leo. And son in Sagittarius, this is like... Uh, frat boy energy, right? So the optimism and like eternal optimism, like big ideas. Um, I believe that Vinny Chase from Entourage had a son in Sagittarius. <laughs> like, I can doubtlessly. see it. I can see it. So he literally was just always like thinking that things were going to improve even when it was like, okay, no, no dude. But like then they actually did because, you know, that was a script written by men for, uh, you know, dudes. <laughs> um, he was optimistic, just like Billy yeah. McFarland. Billy McFarland for sure idolized uh vinnie chase <laughs> oh my so, god yes um also the south node in capricorn was conjunct uranus in his chart and so um this is like erratic it's you know thinking that your ideas are the best and also like really like being used to disrupting things um and thinking that like it's part of like there's like a comfort in disruption um, and he had Saturn in Scorpio, um, and Saturn in Scorpio is a mastermind at like, um, well, okay. So he had Saturn in Scorpio and he also Mercury stationed direct in Scorpio two days before his birth. And so what we know about planets that station direct is that they're very loud and that lasts for like a week. Um, and so Saturn in Scorpio and Mercury in Scorpio, this is like extremely secretive and like kind of being like a master communicator with like a surgical level manipulation. It's like it's like kind of like being human operation, but like never getting that buzz. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, so Skilling had his son in Sagittarius, which is like, you know, tons of frat star energy, big picture thinking, also had quite a few placements that were similar to Elizabeth, and he was pretty manipulative. So Enron is crushing it, and Wall Street and Forbes are jerking for the company because it's growing and making a ton of money. But eventually, Enron started to face competition, and then they weren't making as much money, which made their investors, you know, pretty sad. So Skilling came up with this idea to start using market-to-market accounting to make people think they were making more money than they actually were, which, if you can't tell by that description, is shady as fuck. Yes, and don't let that boring term let your eyes glaze over. Market to market accounting allows you to list your projections as profits. So, for example, if you made a deal for $80,000, you can say, Hey, I made $80,000 this year, even though the check probably hasn't cleared. And with taxes and other debts you have, that price isn't, you know, that money isn't going to come through for you. Um, So this is different from normal accounting, which is like, I made a deal for 80K, but I have 40K in debts to pay with people. So I'm going to say my worth is a net 40K. So while it's technically legal, it's definitely been used to do like illegal things. And this is where the white collar crime comes in, because what Enron would do is claim their deals right away. So it would look like they were worth more, even though they didn't have the cash to back it up. So in order to keep growing, they had to keep signing bigger and bigger contracts. And let's say, like, the contract fell through, um, they would still claim it and make it look like they were making money. And so this essentially resulted in Enron having all this debt that they would just sort of, like, move around. It's kind of like when you use one credit card to pay off another credit card. So, like, while you technically got rid of your debt on one card, you still have, to, you still have that debt to pay back. It's just on a different card. Um, so eventually the dot-com bust happens, which we're, you, like, we heard about last week. And investors looked at Enron and were like, hmm, wait a minute. What if 
Enron stocks also are overvalued. So Enron stock prices start to fall as people look into their accounting books and realize something is up. Skilling starts smoking cigarettes and eventually quit. He literally, <laughs> they said he just smoked cigarettes and drank white wine during the day, which to me. Oh my God, divorcee energy. Yeah, I feel like it's like a chic divorcee. Um, but eventually he quits because he can't deal with like the stocks plummeting during his time as CEO. Then the SEC starts investigating them, which, once again, never a good thing. Enron's stock prices turn to dust, and the SEC realizes the CFO of the company was actually stealing millions of dollars and that Enron was not actually flush with cash like everyone thought. They were actually $38 billion, yes, billion dollars in debt. I know, which is so insane. Like, what an insane number. How did they, like, get that deep without... The people noticing like that's just so wild to me because everyone just thought they were innovative they were like i don't understand this company but whatever here's my money and that led to enron filing for bankruptcy which at the time was the biggest corporate bankruptcy filing in u.s history so what's going on on their bankruptcy filing date so they filed for bankruptcy on december 3rd 2001 uh, in the south district court of new york and the sun was conjunct Mercury and Pluto in Sagittarius, uh, opposite Saturn in Gemini at this time. And Saturn in Gemini uh, reads the details. They read the fine print. Uh, they're not getting taken over that way. And sun conjunct Mercury is illuminating the fine print of whatever was really said. And like Pluto here is here to shake shit up. Um, and like this opposition is p- pulling secrets out of the stacks of paperwork and recognizing like, OK, like this was like foolish and optimistic like why didn't anyone stop it but like we're here to stop it now yeah i mean here we are again having transits that are gonna finally like unearth details and find secrets so when all is said and done enron is banned from the new york stock exchange and the department of justice looks into the company which results in a bunch of Enron executives charged with different types of fraud. Lay died before sentencing, but Skilling received the harshest sentence of all, which was for 24 years. He served 12 of them, and he was actually released in 2019. He still maintains his innocence to this day, which, like, do not understand that. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I was reading, like, he, like, still is telling everyone he's, he's, like, innocent, and he's, like, brushing up on all this like new technology and he's like trying to like get back into the energy business which is like so crazy to me i know but you know something important to remember here is that this scandal didn't just like impact these middle-aged white dudes that were you know white wine smoking uh white wine cigarette smokers (laughs) but you know more than four thousand enron employees lost their jobs following the bankruptcy and many lost their retirement savings that were heavily invested in the company's stock. And like, even as prices were falling, Lay and Skilling were selling large amounts of Enron stock while simultaneously encouraging Enron employees to buy more shares and assuring them the company was on the rebound. So like employees saw like all of their retirement savings accounts like completely wiped out as Enron like went bankrupt. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's super fucked up. And In addition to that, another thing to consider is that, you know, Enron couldn't Enron on their own. They had the help of banks and accounting firms that were helping keep them afloat because those institutions were making money off them, too. So knowing all this, it seems to me like there was a lot of 
similarities between Enron and Theranos, besides just Elizabeth's dad working there. So I'm wondering, like, what they had in common with their chart. Ooh, brace yourself. <laughs> okay, so so Theranos had Uranus conjunct uh, Venus, Enron's Venus. And so this is financial disruption because Uranus is disruption and Venus is money. And... Um, in Aquarius, it's the collective. So it's kind of like stealing money from the collective and then also like exposing that sort of like uh, financial corruption of all that. Theranos also had Pluto um, conjunct Enron's Mercury and Sagittarius. And so Mercury and Sagittarius is like big ideas. Um, and Pluto is secrets. So this is like corporate secrets revealed and also like the transformation of corporate communications and like pie in the sky ideas are shot down. So everything that's kind of like built with like Enron's inception is kind of like taken down by, by Theranos's later inception. It's like the mirroring sort of images or like kind of like the same timeline of like corporate bullshit and grifting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it seems like both companies had transits that would signal financial disruption and potential stealing. Uh, they also share transits that indicate secret be- secrets being exposed big time thinking while also getting a major reality check. And besides the similar vibes of the companies, they both were led by two people with reputations for being very ambitious, but also super cutthroat. Enough so to lie to their investors. So Dana, do Lizzie, as I now decided to call her, (laughs) and Jeffrey Skilling have anything in common? Ooh, they sure do. So they (laughs) both have Uranus conjunct the South Node. Which is rare, I will say. Interesting. And this is like erratic behavior and kind of like maybe even disgust with oneself to the point that you uh, externalize those behaviors. And it's also though like belief in like your own crazy ideas. And then Saturn and Scorpio is like surgical precision and withholding information. Then like thinking you have to do everything on your own, but then also like the fear of being found out. It's like paranoia. And then also like you like that you basically like. How you structure your life is kind of like always with like a degree of paranoia. Damn. That makes so sense. both of them had, yeah, that's insane. Um, so both of them had a transit that makes them buy into their own bullshit. And it also kind of urges them to withhold information from others, which like, ding, ding, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, literally trust no one. Like, don't trust anyone. <laughs> Everyone's lying to you. Just assume that. Like, literally don't trust, like, your own mother. But speaking of mothers... We've got a doozy of an episode coming up next week. We've got another special guest for you guys, and we're diving into the scary, sad, and in some cases, downright infuriating in stories of moms who kill. So you definitely won't want to miss it. Uh, yeah. And in the meantime, please leave us a five-star review and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen to. Yeah. Reviews definitely help us out. And if you leave us one on Apple Podcasts and DM us a screenshot of your review, we'll make you a custom meme of your big three and send you a quick write-up about it. And don't forget to follow us at Allegedly Astrology on Instagram and Reddit and at Allegedly Astro on Twitter. We're also on Hey Hero Now too if you want us to ask a question. And right now during the month of March, you have a 20% off code with Hey Shiro. It's H-E-Y. S-H-E-R-O. We have a promo code now. So if you want to use it, you uh, could ask us things about like what transits were happening at a certain point in your life or like what are your perfections this year or like what's your big three or like something about compatibility. Ask us literally anything. Anything. Um, anything you want. We're here. But in the meantime, I'm Elise. I'm Dana. And I'm Sarah. And this is Allegedly Astrology. Allegedly Astrology.